0: Welcome back, everyone, to a new season and a new show for Pen Pen Pals. Uh, this time we're covering FLCL or Furikuri or Furikuri, depending on how you want to pronounce it, how it's spelled. Uh, I know that this is a series all three of us have had experience with. Oh, I'm so bad at this. Uh, let's introduce everybody. Uh, my name is Alex, and with me, I have uh, my two wonderful hosts.
1: Hi, I'm okay. Brian. Yeah, I'm Ben. Yeah, and uh, like Alex was saying, so this is season two of Pen Pen Pals, but uh, if, just to be clear, we're gonna be watching season one of uh, FLCL. I guess that's how I call it in my head still is FLCL. What about you guys? Yeah, I always think FLCL.
2: Ah, uh, I'm the odd one out. I'm a foodie-cootie man.
0: Foodie-cootie? <laughs> <laughs> and to properly pronounce it, you have to do the the like, halfway between an R and L, right? Hoodie. Hoodie. Yeah, okay.
1: (laughs) We just finished going through for season one of our show all 26 episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion or Evangelion. I guess we couldn't figure out how to pronounce that one either. Um, And so this show, it's another show by Gainax and there's some interesting references to Evangelion in it as well.
0: Yeah, um, and maybe we can start out with a little bit of... Uh, intro information before we actually watch it and then talk about it. It turns out the director for this, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was the kind of right-hand man to Anno during Neon Genesis and even uh, was the director for the last two episodes
2: that we just covered of Ava. is that right? That's correct, storyboard and episode direction. Cool, and what was that guy's name? Kazuya Tsurumaki. So Ben,
0: do we have a pen pen pals podcast update
1: yeah so man i haven't been listening to too much stuff but um here's a recommendation that i started that was um kind of on some people's year end lists um it's called canary it's by the washington post it's kind of a true crime investigation piece but there's a huge twist that comes at the end of the first episode, uh, what about the how's the uh, the pen pen piles pea pod update, Alex?
0: Oh well, they're dead. Uh, we've had a hard freeze, and the whole garden is gone. But that's okay. We, you know, they they, they grew to fruition. We got a few pea pods out of them. Uh, they had a happy life cycle. Frozen peas. Yeah, exactly. Whole new industry we're starting. A good pivot uh and brian you're such a musical guy do you have anything you've been listening to like uh, a pem pem pals
2: playlist a, a puppy playlist i guess uh <laughs> there's an industrial band called skinny puppy uh, as the pandemic started their producer ken marshall uh started doing videos revealing all the production techniques that were really closely guarded for a long time so the youtube channel is just ken marshall and um uh, They're out in Vancouver, and I guess they're having their second hard lockdown, Mm. and what they do is um, they release the individual tracks for a popular song, and uh, I've been playing with that and having a lot of fun. It's kind of a dream come true for an old goth industrial nerd to play with the raw tracks, and uh, you come up with your own remix and submit it, and if they like it, they'll do something with it. Uh, but it's very likely going to end up in uh, the Pen Pen Pals podcast. <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to
2: hearing that.
0: Uh, do we want to... We don't have a last time on or anything like that. Do we want to just start?
2: So I guess, Alex, as, as you already mentioned, the director for Fuli Kuli, uh, Kazuya Tsurumaki, he's referred to as uh, Ano's protege. And uh, after wrapping up the final edits on the Evangelion series... The anecdote is that he turned to Tsurumaki and said, well, I'm all out of ideas now. <laughs> You're next. Wow. So he's uh, passing the baton to the next generation. And uh, it took a few years. Like, uh, Gainax did a couple of things in between Evangelion and Fuli Cooley.
1: Yeah, I was reading that Tsurumaki started on FLCL right away, and then kind of after a year of working on it, he was kind of stuck, and they, you know, needed to do other things. So then I think they started doing his and her circumstances and so he helped out on kind of the the beginning of that project to get that going um before he picked back up on working on flcl
2: yeah i i haven't seen that one uh but the description i read it sounded like the main characters were a lot like shinji and asuka
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i guess the antithesis evangelion that's in 95 and 96 and then this is five years later so it's uh 2000 and 2001 um and this is straight to video so it's what they call a, an OVA, an original video animation um and i was curious why they switched um you know if that's just how you release a shorter series or that they had more freedom if they did it that way
2: the freedom angle is is what's important fuli Cooley is pretty edgy content and it would likely have been heavily censored uh, if it was televised or had a theatrical release. Mm. So that's one of the the attractions of an OVA. You get to see stuff that takes more chances, I guess. Mm.
0: Yeah, and the stuff that was coming out at the time seemed a lot more mainstream for some contacts at the same time that FLCL was being produced, Uh, One Piece was coming out uh, on broadcast, Uh, The Big O, Hunter x Hunter, which I had no idea Hunter x Hunter was that old, Uh, Initial D, GTO, and then even uh, Raruni Kenshin, which everybody knows, and Cowboy Bebop at the same time. Mm
1: -hmm. Another interesting thing to talk about, FLCL is kind of this transitional anime, so Neon Genesis Evangelion would have been pretty much all hand-drawn, and then this is one of the, the first kind of digital Gainax pieces.
2: Yeah. Uh, Tsurumaki, he was kind of unique in this. Like at, at the time it was controversial and a lot of animators just gave vague answers about whether or not they're going to embrace the new technology. But Tsurumaki was like, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll embrace this technology. It's like, there's so much stuff you can do with it. And uh, as old as this anime is, I feel like they do a better job than some of the more modern animes Of integrating like cgi and hand-drawn animation Uh, like overlord and attack on titan are great examples great animation but then when the cgi shows up it's so freaking super obvious Mm -hmm. Uh, so one of the tricks that SudaMaki does was he'll render something like a robot and do the motion animation for it and then do hand-drawn overlays Um, so like the hand-drawn art still retains this like super detailed aesthetic and just that sense of motion, right, as a 3D object rotates and shifts, um, it just looks beautiful. And I remember the first time watching this, that's something that caught my eye. It's like, damn, like <laughs> like the way that they drew these robots, it looks so precise. Uh, well, there's a reason. <laughs> had this 3D model that they were working off of.
0: Mm. Wow. So it's literally something
1: that occupied
2: physical space. Oh, 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 no, no. I I mean, like, in the computer graphics sense. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I was just looking up the the quote I'd seen before, and he says, "Uh, before I got into digital animation, I saw other shows that were using it, and I felt that there was no feeling. It was empty. As an animator, there's a sense of release when you draw a cell. There's something there. Working on FLCL, though, I learned that computers can do more. And most of all, they allow room for trial and error and revising, more freedom to experiment. Mm. That's why I now feel that cell art cannot win against computers. (laughs) For actual animation, everything is still drawn on paper. That work hasn't changed. It's the other stuff, the touch-ups and coloring. And then he says, if we didn't use paper, maybe the feeling would change. So, yeah, it's kind of this hybrid, I guess, where there's still hand drawing all the lines, um, but yeah, maybe using 3D models like you were saying and and
2: doing the coloring and stuff like that. Yeah, you can't argue with the results, you know? It looks great.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Something about hybrid things. Um, that's what I noticed about, uh, God, what was that? Oh, uh, Gundam Origins. Uh, they still had flat animation for all the characters, but when it switched to the mech fights, uh, it all pretty seamlessly transitions into uh, uh cell-shaded 3D animation. Yeah,
2: they're almost there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Anybody else got any queue-up information for this? Um, One thing that jumped out to me um, when I was just looking up information on the show, uh, I won't name names, but uh, there were some online personalities, like anime reviewers that took on Furikuli, maybe because of the... Uh, the sequels that came out so much later afterwards. Uh, but they were saying that foodie Cooley didn't mean anything.
1: And, and are, are you saying like the meaning of the series or the, just the name? The
2: meaning of the name of the show. Oh, so
0: these, these people covering it were saying that it's a nonsense phrase?
2: Yes, and that was surprising to me to hear them say that because it's a matter of record that it does have a meaning. Uh, the interview that Ben was referencing um, at the Baltimore Comic-Con, uh, uh answers the question about what it means. Uh, so it, it comes from uh, teenage slang, like from Japanese students of the time. Um, it's like slang for fondling breasts and ass. And like the way it comes about, cause that's like those, they are nonsense words, but as Japanese teenagers would do, they take the first syllables of longer words and put them together for a new word. Um, and it still happens today. Uh, the only issue is, um, to my knowledge, no one recalls what the original words were that were eventually abbreviated. <laughs> so that's tricky.
1: Wait, and you, you said you saw that in that like Otacon interview
2: thing? Yeah. Um, so the transcript is called Amusing Ourselves to Death, I think.
1: Okay, we'll have to trade links later. Okay. The version that I got, he says that it was based on the name of this like CD <laughs> and so maybe it's both maybe the you know some like music CD and, and you can find it on Amazon now. Me, it sounds sort of like Americana or like Rockabilly or something like that yeah and but maybe that CD is named after this thing for fondling <laughs> yeah that could be too yeah.
0: oh and why they use the pillows who were so influenced by American artists
1: yeah yeah it's got same kind of like guitar sound and yeah.
0: I love it. Uh, you guys ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Legs spread, same with as the shoulders. Body tight, then hit the ball like you're defeating the enemy. So Here, so we start bing- with a boy bing- and a girl bing- under a bridge, bing- and we bing- meet bing- Nauta and bing- Mamimi. Bing- bing- uh, Nauta is bing-
2: presumably like 12, 13? Yeah, I think it's mentioned later that he's 12.
1: Yeah, I think so. I was a little bit shocked to find out that he's 12. It does make it feel a little bit more scandalous that he's like put in all these kind of sexual situations but but I guess that is kind of like the peak time of like you're going through puberty but you really don't understand it right like,
0: yeah and a lot of his uh, moments of uh, I guess sexual feeling he he displays the same facial expressions for embarrassment and arousal which like plays into like, you know, he he has that, he hasn't been able to separate those two yet. Uh, and Mamimi uh, seems unable to separate her sexual feelings from her emotions, right? Like Mamimi says she feels like she's gonna overflow and overflowing might be an innuendo for, it could be sexually or, or it could just be emotionally because we don't know if her emotional needs are being met. Obviously she feels abandoned by uh, Naota's brother.
1: So, so she, yeah, she says it twice in this episode, right? So the first time it's at the very looks, beginning and mm-hmm. it's like kind of, why do you fool around with me? If I don't do it, I'll overflow. What do you mean? What'll happen? To me, I felt like that was kind of Probably like a sexual thing. But then kind of when they're on the bridge oh. near the end of mm-hmm. the episode, she like, you know, looks like she's having like a headache or a panic attack or something like that.
0: Uh, and they so, so my is definitely... Uh, uh, sexualizing Nauta, right, which is pretty inappropriate. But the the show right at the beginning gives you a hint that this is inappropriate, right? It's not condoning Mamimi's behavior. It's not like, oh, isn't this a cool fantasy that Nauta gets to live out with an older girl? Like right before Mamimi starts to uh, move up on him, hug him from behind, her eyes flash in this sinister Mm -hmm. manner to show you like, this is predatory behavior you know she's still young too so she's figuring things out but this is definitely not yeah.
1: okay or almost yeah like she's possessed or something like that we sometimes see those same eyes in anime so maybe you know this this kind of alien to naota anyway this feeling this lust has kind of taken over her and and turned her into to something kind of scary or creepy or hard to understand
2: I, I do like the use of this word possession, uh, cause it reminds me of, you know, loss of control. And when I think back of you know coming of age, uh, I can recall, um, becoming sexually aroused at very inopportune times, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, having that sort of, uh, reaction happening involuntarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, what a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, totally agree. Oh, just one other thing. Um, I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but, um, Obviously, there's a weird dynamic between uh, Naoto and Mamimi, but um, Naoto's older brother is away in college now, uh, but his ex is in high school. So it's like there's a weird uh, disparity, I guess, on either end, Hmm. Uh, because you usually don't think of. A college guy dating a high school girl is a relationship of equals you know
0: and maybe that's something they're trying to illustrate uh you know abusers were often abused Mm. earlier in their lives right and so because being in a relationship with an older guy became normalized to her the the converse being with a younger person seems completely normal to her right
2: yeah and just what's common with like an exploitative relationship is the younger person has unmet needs that are obvious to the older person. Uh, And it definitely seems like my Mimi has unmet needs. Hmm. I mean, I guess she could be like
1: 15 or 16. I mean, I guess still a 15 year old dating a 12 year old is weird, but. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. And that
0: means he would have been like 18, 19 when he moved away, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a little like an 18 year old with a 15 year old is a little, that's like, I don't know. That's still bizarre. Yeah.
2: It seems exploitative. Yeah.
0: And we get our first glimpse of, I think it's our first glimpse of the medical mechanica uh, facility.
2: All the adults got excited when it came here. Like it was really a big thing.
0: This huge building that from their perspective, it looks like this factory, right? Like it, it, it billows out smoke every day.
1: The white steam that billows out every day at the same time. It looked to me like smoke that signified some kind of omen. Smoke that spreads out and covers everything. Uh,
0: But from a higher perspective, like, I don't know, someone who had influence or power or was otherworldly, it looks like an iron, like a tool, right? Something that could even be grasped from above and used to, like, I don't know, iron out the entire community. Um, So I don't know if there was some like proto-anti-capital message there, but I'm always
1: looking out for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's, so it's a steam iron. And I think if you pay attention, it doesn't seem to happen randomly in these episodes, but it seems to happen when Naota has some um, kind of sexual feelings brewing or something like that, that oh. um, we first see it as like steam being released by this factory.
0: Uh Oh, and he says that nothing special happens. And I think that's all a matter of perspective, right?
1: Yeah, especially like, you know, maybe at the beginning he says it and it's been largely true for his life that nothing special happens. But he also says it near the end of the episode when he has a a robot that has grown out of his head, you know, (laughs) now doing chores in their house. And you're like, okay, this kid just, (laughs) he just thinks nothing is special, right? Yeah, never satisfied so i guess after this kind of you know not quite make out but whatever scene by the bridge we see Mimimi buying this uh, drink from the vending machine this sour drink she drinks half of it and then uh, gives it to him and you know he says he doesn't like the sour drink
2: you know i don't like sour drinks
1: i got the feeling maybe she's trying to recreate the pattern well, that she had with well, his older brother or yeah. something like that. And,
2: you know, just doing
1: all of those same things, Here. but with him. What? And he's like, it's hey, course, like, I'm a different it? person. Left, <laughs> I don't like this.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an intimate proposition, right? Like, sharing a drink from the same can. Yeah.
1: In Terrace House, they call it an indirect kiss.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I did latch onto this scene. Um, when I saw the can and it said squash, I was like, what are they drinking squash juice? So I had to look it up and it turns out it's a real thing. Lemon squash is the drink in Japan. And uh, what I found out about it was that it was specifically associated with children, like a soft drink for kids. Oh. Uh, I was like, oh, this is this a uh, symbol of childhood? And then I guess the way the scene leads into the next scene is he throws the can, right? And, America maybe that's not a big you know deal what? but in Japan that's super taboo that my brother um, in the US indicates that you are specifically in the camp of delinquent which uh, is a whole genre of anime itself and then of course <laughs> the scooter comes along <laughs> and, and hits the can <laughs> it's it all messed up
0: <laughs> which was freaking hilarious in a weird way it gives him some sort of agency ah! Like, it was an accident that he threw the can where it can't landed, but technically yeah. he stopped her
2: from hitting him the first time. Yeah, she, does, she doesn't She does land the yes. type of shot that she's going mm-hmm. for.
0: <laughs> and then she hits him again with the guitar, but not at the full speed she wanted. <laughs> and we can see it doesn't produce the effect that she wanted because she holds him upside down, shaking him, trying to get whatever it is out of his head. Uh,
2: what kind of uh, guitar is that? I have some notes here about that. Uh, So it's a Rickenbacker bass. What she's using, it's it's a left-handed model. And uh, a lot of uh, bands that like sort of push the envelope of their genre, you'll find this in their hands. Like Muse is one of the ones that comes to mind. The Who, a lot of indie bands, I guess, Pavement. If you go on uh, Wiki, like the list goes on and on.
1: So if it's a left-handed bass, people are plucking with their left hand and doing the fingering with their right hand?
2: Well, that's what she's using. Um, I mean, there's left and right-handed models. But I don't know, like just another funny side note, like Jimi Hendrix. uh, He used a left-handed guitar strung right-handed, but he played left-handed. I don't know if I have all those details, right? (laughs) But there's a a rock tradition of like misusing things like that.
1: Yeah, and I guess you get a kind of unique sound a little bit when you do something like that. Oh,
0: funny, Mamimi in the first scene, the opening lines actually is her talking about mastering the left side. Uh, She says that if you master the left side, you master the world, which is uh, not only in uh, music, but also in athletics and fighting. Uh, because a left-handed athlete or fighter will have trained against right-handed people their entire life. So they will understand the techniques of their opponent better than their opponent could possibly understand theirs because they're Hmm. coming at it from the opposite side, right?
2: Yeah, I love that. That's interesting.
0: Uh, And this is Haruko Haruhara. uh, And she is our crazy mystery. She's like manic pixie dream girl, except there's something else, right? It's like, oh, what if that person actually had a reason for being that way? Uh, and you know, we'll get into that as the series goes on, no spoilers, but she, we've already seen she, uh, the, the characters have commented uh, in this cartoon world that they inhabit, she is operating by a different set of physics than everyone else. Uh, and she has that bracelet that seems to be some sort of, I don't know, magic or technology that alerts her to the direction of something she's looking for.
2: Yeah, it's a bondage bracelet. Oh, yes, indeed. My goodness.
0: (laughs) Uh, Man, so there is just like symbolism with her all over the place.
1: I get kind of like David Bowie vibes from her too. There's something that's a little bit, it's like a little bit androgynous, I guess, and and just kind of like otherworldly in that way that I think David Bowie did so well.
2: Yeah, she has some kind of coy facial expression that they use a lot Mm. that definitely feels early Bowie. Uh, And these yellow eyes.
1: Um, So she does CPR, revives him, gives him a good clean hit in the head uh, with the guitar, which is always such a great unexpected moment. Um, And then, you know, shakes him upside down, says, oh, it's not coming out or something like that. And then uh, drives off.
0: We have a scene with him at school, right? And we see that he has two friends. Nota! did
1: you hear? What? The Vespa woman.
0: I guess it's just a trope to have like these two friends. Like one kind of reminds me of Kensuke, and one kind of reminds me of Toji from Evangelion. And then there's like uh, a class rep girl. Super spicy. And, And when she stings, she leaves a demon's mark that shows you've been doing naughty things and it never goes away. What naughty things? It didn't seem like she was their friend. Like she just happened to be there for the conversation.
1: Was that Nina Mori? Uh, This is the uh, purple haired girl. Yeah, so that's Airy Nina Mori, who's the class rep. Okay, so Nauta ends up going to the hospital
0: to have his bump checked out, but little does he know that Haruko has uh, beaten him there, incapacitated all of the staff in the room and is impersonating a nurse
2: the scene went really fast and I don't know if my perception of everything is just being colored now, but were there sexual innuendos being exchanged in the the hospital scene?
0: Oh, I think you're right. Definitely. Uh, Cause she gets the same color eyes. Mm. Like her eyes go over one blank color, just like uh, uh, Mamimi's did, but hers are red. I assume indicating like further predatory behavior. Like look, what Mamimi was doing was inappropriate, but this is very bad, (laughs) but yeah, it is, um, kind of a common fantasy, like even tropey for a nurse to be sexually uh, explicit with you or to have your first sexual encounter with, you know, a woman that, uh, I don't know, like has to be intimate with you and it turns into something else, right? Because a nurse has to like Mm -hmm. look at your body and they might need to like look at something sensitive.
2: Yeah. I I feel like, especially with that age, you know, if you're so insecure and ignorant about sexuality just like uh the other person just having that control uh yeah or at least maybe in japanese culture it seems like a a a common like sexual trope
1: Mm -hmm. um where that might be a a situation where you're afraid of getting a boner right it's like while you're getting your medical exam or something like that and oh
2: but it's like, you know, also in that situation, if there's someone who has, like, sexual authority, like, you're sort of released from a lot of the tension and ignorance of wherever you are uh, hmm. in your sexual development.
1: Hmm.
2: I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that again.
0: No, I, I think you're onto something. Uh, like, this whole this whole series is about sexuality, like, m- more explicitly than Ava was. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I- in spite of the... Uh, the way that uh, Haruko's antics, like turn the hospital into a cartoon itself. And it's like rocking back and forth, just awesome animation. But even though she's intent on hitting him again, to somehow escapes un- unscathed from this hospital, we assume. And is that when he goes back home? Yes. And he has like a phone conversation with Mamimi at first, I think, maybe in his room. And she says something about like, she has photos. Was she taking pictures? during that scene or?
2: Yeah, when um, when Naoto first gets hit by the uh, the Vespa, right? And mm-hmm. there's a weird exchange happening and Mamimi's just like in the background, like Bugs Bunny or something, like instantly changing positions, taking pictures, like some weird cartoon photo shoot.
1: Yeah, like while he's in midair, her first yeah, reaction is yeah. to pick up
2: <laughs> her
0: camera and take a picture of it. And Naoto has a letter from his brother, is that right?
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, which he has not opened yet. Is that right?
1: Uh, I think from the conversation later. So I don't think we get to see it, but I think he's seen it. Oh, okay. Um, and that's part of that conversation that he initiates with her
2: when they're on the bridge. Yeah, so in the in the very first scene of the show, um, it happens for like half a second, there's a flashed image of a letter. The
0: show's amazing. Oh,
1: All really? right. <laughs> the show's so
2: good. Right? And um, I remember seeing that. I was just like, what the hell is that? What does that mean? Oh, I miss that. Well, yeah, while he's talking to Mamimi, like, it's on his mind. Like, uh, I got this letter from my brother. <laughs> but he, he doesn't mention it in that, in that scene. But he does bring up the brother later, like, in that scene.
0: Uh, so, yeah, so he's home. He has this conversation with Mamimi. She has photos. Uh, and then he goes downstairs, right? Yes. We get our first glimpse of, I think, the cat. This big old, the biggest, fattest cat you have ever seen. <laughs> uh quite endearing uh not a cat person myself but uh i could see living with that cat but surprise surprise now to uh, guess who's followed you home is haruko yeah uh and she's already like having dinner with his his uh uh, father and grandfather uh and we see that uh uh no sign of his mother right so uh, a female influence is lacking in his life right he 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 kind of has no one to go to to ask about women. Like he could ask his father or his grandfather, but they don't have that perspective.
2: Yeah, and based on this scene, uh, I would definitely not go to them about anything having to do with women. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: they're they're both uh, they're both old perfs, It seems like, and and I think it's revealed in a later episode that his father wrote a book about Evangelion or something like that. <laughs> so his father is supposed to be uh, kind of like a, like this is, again, them like maybe making fun of their base a little bit or something like that. Yeah. And I,
0: what is the father's name? Kamon? Kamon? So I don't know if, if that's a common Japanese name or anything, but I thought it was a play off of uh, the Jewish Adam Kadmon. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but that's the primordial man. Uh, mm. Like the first... There's like diff in, 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 anyways, uh, it it represents some sort of primordial man. So for him to be the father of the head of a household, the, the name has some symbolism there. Uh, if they were thinking of that.
1: Yeah. Well, if they hadn't made Evangelion, I would just be like, you're crazy. But after watching that series, I wouldn't put it past. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Where, where Adam in Evangelion is more a literal interpretation of the Adam Kadmon myth, which is like not a physical person, like the first being that uh, becomes uh, the earth and all of its people. Right.
2: Was it just um, me or did uh Came on, sort of look like Gendo. Oh yeah, like an unkept okay. Gendo, like a. <laughs> All right. Gendo. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just needed to do a reality check there.
1: <laughs> so you know, we talked kind of about like the the nurse and kind of how that's a common fantasy, and and now we have kind of the maid fantasy, right? And mm-hmm. and we get a very similar situation to Evangelion, actually, right? Which is kind of like this younger boy kind of sharing this intimate space with this kind of like hot older woman and like the kind of inherent tension of that or the, the fantasy of that or whatever.
0: Yeah, again, that fantasy, which I guess must be very common uh, uh, of thinking like, I could just be here, you know? I wouldn't have to be in charge of it. Like I wouldn't have to make the first move. Okay. Uh, so they talk about, they, they it's a very fast scene, right? We oh, do, yeah. It goes into this hyper manga, setup and it's god it really is brilliant um it, it has all of these still shots with the voiceover but also with the speech balloons and then sometimes you can see like it goes over the the panels as if it was like slowly reading down a um, mm-hmm. uh, a manga page and sometimes you can see on one of the panels it's animated like it's moving right yeah but you can see it moving before you get to that panel which is just wild yeah but his father and grandfather just start talking about Chi-Chi, which I didn't know that that meant breasts or tits, uh, yeah. which makes Dragon Ball like super pervy.
2: Oh, yeah. It's derogatory as well. Like, so like opai or pai-pai is, is big breasts. Pai-pai is breasts. Uh, but Chi-Chi, is, that's tits.
0: Oh, okay, Okay. Uh,
2: so I learned that the hard way because there's a popular Japanese game called chi narabe, which means seven down the middle. But if you're a kid, sometimes you slip and say, chichi narabe, which means tits down the middle and all your relatives laugh and you don't know why. (laughs) Poor young brother. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, that's how I know it means tits. (laughs)
0: Yeah, uh, and his, uh, and the dad also says, kuri kuri. I mean, that's uh, that's, uh, repeated several times and then it gets uh, like, confused or, or translated into curry at points, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but kudi kudi, that's twisting, is that right?
2: Yeah, so when they're talking about it, again, at least in the, the subtitled version, it's the sound of fondling is starting to get obscured with spicy curry, and like, ooh, spicy. <laughs> and I don't know, it, again, it happened really, really quickly. The first time we see um, Haruhara, um, she's eating the spicy curry snack.
0: Hmm. I, I wonder. Do you think that's a possible uh, origin for the cootie part of foodie cootie? Oh, yeah, that could be. Okay, that that would make sense. So now, if we can just do some detective work and find a foodie, then we'll we'll figure it
1: out. <laughs> wait, wait. Sorry,
0: rogue. What, what was that, Alex? Uh, cootie yeah. cootie. Uh, is a twisting motion or twisting a sound for twisting? Uh, and I, I mean it's uh, it's remarkably similar to uh the second half of the title, right? Foodie cootie. Um, so I wonder if that's where the, the slang got that part of it from. Hmm.
1: So I would, I've seen it also translated as like big and round as kuri kuri. <laughs> uh, and if you do, so if you do a Google search, this is kind of like a, sometimes when I'm trying to figure out what Japanese words mean, I'll do a Google image search. You can like see kind of what it actually means. And so with furi kuri, it's, it's hopeless because everything is just the anime, Right. But if you mm-hmm. do kuri, kuri and you look that up, there is a lot of stuff of of boob fondling. <laughs> so, so I wonder I'm on a tradition. Yeah, so I wonder if that at least could mean like fondling and maybe furi is just like a way of um, obscuring it, or, or before I used the term fooling around, and then I was like, oh, maybe it's like the foolie of fooly coolie like fooling around from English or something like that.
2: Oh. You know? The Japanese do like their wordplay, and just as I was listening to you guys talk, um, and when spicy curry was mentioned, it, it, I was reminded that furikake kake is roughly translated as like spice or seasoning. It's stuff you sprinkle on rice.
0: Hmm. So many layers to this. <laughs> uh, the the dad at one point, come on, says uh, he refers to Nauta's Gundam hammer. Yeah which I know is a, is one of the weapons of the original Gundam from the original Gundam series. Uh, it's like, I think it's just like a mace, right? But but that's not the point. Uh, I didn't get this, so I'm glad you wrote it down that he's referring to Nauta's dick as the Gundam hammer. Like it is this, you, you are the super robot and you have this power. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's a super geeky otaku <laughs> moment in this hyper manga.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. So they're, they are setting up the dad to be the otaku. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay.
2: Uh, He even mentions Tomino. Uh, I wish I had the script, but God, it just goes so fast. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's really vague in my mind. So I'll try to say this without butchering it too much. So, um, they're talking in sexual innuendos and Naoto's Gundam hammer and how, uh, the use of the Gundam hammer was quickly erased because, you know, Gundam's Tomino didn't intend it to be a super robot thing, which is a kid's thing. He's like, it's supposed to be sophisticated. <laughs> sophisticated mechs don't use a super robot weapon. Um, and then you quickly go from that to like air tweaking nipples.
0: <laughs> which the grandpa seems to do for the rest of the scene. Every time it comes oh, yeah. back to him, he's still making this motion. Yeah. Uh, he even tells Haruko at one point, Haruko's paying attention to him and he's making the motion on the table and he's saying, Th- this is the key. This is the key to understanding Kuri Kuri.
2: <laughs> yeah, she's into it. She's yeah. like making the cat girl face.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's obviously, it's just kind of like fun, the kind of like manic pace of it and stuff like that. And I wondered mm-hmm. to you if it's a little bit like when you're a kid and like kind of like that story that you told where like all the adults are laughing and as a kid, you don't know what's going on that this is a little bit too from mm. Naoto's perspective of like the kids like or the parents are like joking around about stuff and like you know she's saying that she gave him mouth to mouth and like you know maybe that's just like a joke for the adults and they're all kind of like pulling his leg a little bit but it's just like too much for him to like get what's actually going on
2: oh yeah yeah we as the audience we definitely experience it from Naoto's perspective it's so overwhelming wow
0: uh oh it does come out in the scene that uh haruko also ran over the dad like that's how she i mean obviously it wasn't an accident she like found him and then was like oh this is my conversation starter i'll hit him with my motorcycle uh and then we will that's how she got to the house she's like oh no i hit you well i can pay you back by being your housekeeper right
1: um and so after that is that when um He oversees her talking to the cat.
0: Yeah, she's like making a report, it seems,
1: uh, to
2: someone, maybe the cat, who knows? Everything just goes so damn fast. Mm -hmm. I couldn't remember if she was saying he was useful or not useful.
1: I think not useful. Like, it's kind of like, oh, it didn't work. I I couldn't get anything out of his head or something like that. Um, Mm. And then, you know, she reveals that she's going to sleep in his his brother's bunk and be sharing the room with him he says that the top bunk is off limits um which is like his older brother is off limits
0: right you don't you don't really talk about him you don't really like it the fact that his brother is not there is a very sore subject for him it seems
2: oh yeah uh so i enjoy fumikuli you know it's it's a crazy fast-paced thing and um you know the the sexual issues that are portrayed, it's it's all very interesting. But like, this is where I felt like the show had a heart. Because um, there's this brother thing that keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes up early on. Um, he says something to Mamimi, he's like, about my brother. But then the scene gets abruptly interrupted. Um, and then in the end scene, it'll come up again. But here we have like, the older brother's gone. He's, mm-hmm. and you have two people that are left behind, the brother and the ex-girlfriend. And for whatever reason, still in Naoto's room, there's a spot that's off limits. It's reserved for someone who's not there anymore.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, And it's, again, like, he does have very firm, delicate feelings about this. You know, like his tone, (laughs) it's more firm and he's not offering any explanations. Like these are the rules, this is the way it is. And it's to the point where he's gonna end up sleeping on the floor instead of this bed that's available.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, oh right she try- she's like well if that one's Off limits then that means I'm sleeping with you In your bed and he's like well nope you're not sleeping With me but you can take the bed that's fine whatever And he takes the pillow downstairs and that's where he talks To his dad right yeah
2: mm-hmm. hmm. um, So Again I Don't know how the show ends I haven't seen the last Couple episodes um, but I just Feel like this is significant uh, The brother is a symbol of something Uh Yeah Something that's missing and
1: it obviously also adds kind of more emotional complexity to the whole like the situation with mamimi right mm-hmm. so in some ways maybe he feels like he's betraying his older brother or something like that yeah i think i think the brother represents
0: masculinity um like his model for masculinity is literally absent um so like, you know, and, and we have these other two models for it, but neither of them is measuring up to the task. His father and grandfather are from a vastly different generation, it seems. And they, he is uninterested in taking their example of what it means to be a man in, in Japanese society. Um, and he, he wants to hold on to this, uh, this idea that his brother is that example, is that um, framework, but ultimately he's not there. Uh,
2: and who could really, really help you navigate this difficult, confusing, awkward time of coming of age but the older brother?
1: Mm-hmm. So, after the scene in the bedroom, I don't know if we're ready to move on from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when he talks about the scene with his dad, so the dad asks, like, you know, do you want her to stay or not? And then he's just like, oh, you can do whatever you want. So, his dad says, oh, you know, your name. Um, you're named after, um, the now, of uh, sunao now, now rather. Um, and in the translation, it says it means honesty. Um, when I looked it up in the dictionary, it has two meanings. So one is kind of like honesty and frankness. And the other meaning is like docile, obedient. <laughs> um, and so I, I, you know, I wonder if it's kind of like, it has that double meaning and you're not sure the father saying like oh i like you because you're just like honest and straightforward or i like you because you're docile and obedient and you're telling me that you're fine with it when maybe you're not oh yeah brilliant and then the brother's name is tosku and that means to help um or to save to rescue um Mm. and so that could also be some symbolism mean maybe that like you were saying that brother would be the person who could help him in the situation or the person that yeah. has always helped him or saved him or rescued him when he needed that help. Yeah,
2: Wow. Man, yeah, what a cool naming convention.: Yeah, something just to reinforce that idea. Um, when there is an anime when they specifically want you to know what the character's name means, they'll show you the spelling in Kanji, which will solidify it. Um, hmm. But they specifically don't do that here. Hmm. So uh, uh,
0: when Naota finds out that Mamimi has given the photos to his father, he rushes to the bridge to meet her, right? Uh, I guess maybe he doesn't seem to have contact with her. So I guess he just knows the route she would take home. And maybe he just runs to uh, uh, catch up with her and he finds her on the bridge. What's the concern here? I I missed this. Oh, I I think he's just upset because I think she was upset that he was not, that Naoto was not interested in the photos, right? She was like, Oh, I have photos of the accident. And he's like, I don't care. Like, go hang out with your friends. Like, why are you bothering me on the phone? Uh, which is, you know, he's lashing out. He, he, he's, he's going through a lot right now. Um, and then when he finds out that she came by the house, which is like, Oh, so when I say I don't want to see you, you're going to come by my house anyways. That's fucking creepy, uh, and so I think he goes to confront her about that, but he sees her with the old bread, and it's just too sad for him to be mad at her, maybe, yeah,
1: yeah, and then one of the well, so one of the first I think it's one of the first things he asks in that conversation is kind of whether or not the brother has contacted her um and you know, so he just got this picture of like the brother with his like new blonde American girlfriend or whatever. Um, mm. And so I wonder if he, he's wondering if she also just got a letter from the brother breaking up with her or something like that. Um, I might be overthinking it. I don't know.
0: Uh, he does ask her uh, uh, now to ask "Me Didn't he send you a letter? Doesn't he have any contact with you? because he got a letter, right? So he's assuming that she also would get a letter. Yeah. yeah. But she has not.
2: Well, I I had some similar thoughts and I guess I don't have anything to base this on, but uh, when I was watching the scene unfold in my mind, I was thinking like Naota is gonna confront her to see if she got a letter with a photograph of his brother with his new brothers, like the baseball team. Like, oh, he got a picture of her being replaced. I wonder if she got a picture of him being replaced. Whoa.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And I think I don't know, whenever there's a bridge, I feel like that puts kind of like suicide in the back of your mind, or at least in the back of my mind, and you know, she's just like standing there on the bridge or mm. something.
0: With a cigarette that says never knows best on.
1: Her. Yeah, oh God. And that song is so melancholy. Um mm-hmm. it gives me chills. Um But but so I, I kind of wondered if maybe both Nauta's worried that she did just find out this information and she's gonna like do something destructive but it also seems like maybe he wants to like he thinks this is they can actually have a relationship now right because the brother has moved on um but so he asks her like how much she likes the brother and when she says all this stuff then he ends up kind of feeling rejected and um well, she uh, uh,
0: she kind of uh, uh, warms up to him, right? Because she says, uh, uh, she puts down the old bread. And this is, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to take this away from you because, Brian, you made this note. So this is your, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, breakthrough. But she sets aside the old bread, right? Which could be... Uh, symbolic of the older brother, right? He's the old bread. She's, she was about to snack on it, like keep thinking about that. But instead, she puts the piece that she had back in the bag, puts it to the side, and then she starts naming off fresh things. Mm-hmm. Talks mm-hmm. about dancing shoes with the pressure points still marked on them, which means they're like unused basically, right? Uh, uh, there's a bunch of other stuff. The watermelon, stuff. And that, the
2: smell of the air after the rain. Yeah,
0: uh, Petrichor. Uh, And then, uh, and then she cozies up to him again, like at the beginning. So uh, we have a wonderful cycle, right? Where we, we, we uh, almost end where we began, but then something miraculous happens. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, It's
1: interesting. So, yeah, I didn't get that. I didn't get that those were all kind of new fresh things. And I wonder if, now also didn't get it right and mm-hmm. you know like he just thinks she's describing how much she likes his brother because then he's like okay well then we should just stop doing this if like you like him mm-hmm. so much or, or was i just like misreading that kind
2: of his reaction at the end there Ooh, i'm kind of rethinking my perspective on it now because now i'm wondering like did they feel like they were old bread or that the older brother was regarding them as old bread and they're rejecting that idea, like we're not old bread. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I might just be reading into that too much again. Hmm.
0: Because I definitely think he is, like Mamimi is too old for him right now, yeah. but I think he's warming up to a possibility of a slow uh, uh, build up to something with her. Because, uh, you know, w- the last scene is him hanging out with her again. He goes to see her. Uh, she offers him the drink again, which he doesn't like. But drinks uh, it. He yeah, he drinks it that time, and it's supposed to be for kids. So maybe either he, he's willing to make a sacrifice to uh, be more like her or be near her, or maybe he wants to stay a kid for a little longer.
2: I think she does too. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think you know we'll we'll see across this series that you know she's kind of at the very least like a little weird maybe a little kind of stunted in some ways emotionally or something like that. Um, But, but then towards the end, there's maybe more of a spin that's just, you know, maybe she's just kind of different for this um, this kind of small town environment or something like that. But so on the bridge, um, you know, after she kind of uh, talks about all of those things that, that she loves um, she says maybe they should call things off.
0: She's kind of hugging him, and then he says, um, you know, he has A, Hmm. and then he doesn't finish that thought. It goes back to Haruko in the bedroom, and she's snooping through Nauta's stuff, finds the letter, peeks inside, sees the blonde new girlfriend. And so we assume that he has said, you know, he has a new girlfriend. And when we come back to them, she is freaking out. She's overflowing. Uh, And that's when... Now to also overflows, not in the same way, but that's when his his wound on his head, uh, it flashes a strange color uh, and now something starts protruding from it, much larger and more defined than last time. Not so much a bone, now it's a fucking hand.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, there's a hand that comes out and then a robot that comes out at the same time, right? And they start battling. Mm-hmm. Um, and another little note is... Um, Right before that happens, we see uh, Haruko Harahara, her bondage bracelet thing starts clinking right before it happens, right? And she starts driving out there. And the medical mechanica uh,
0: facility lights up. Mm. Yeah. So they know, whoever they is, they know something's happening with what The same as uh, uh, Haruko does.
1: Um, yeah, so this hand emerges first and then this this robot and they start battling each other. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's literally these things coming out of his head, right? So you could imagine this is kind of like the different parts of him fighting each other. Um, and we know from Evangelion that they're interested in kind of Freudian concepts like the id and ego and superego, right? So maybe this is mm. uh, this newly sexual Nauta trying to decide whether to take advantage of vulnerable Mamimi or kind of do the right thing or something like that.
0: Yeah, and it shows his concern for her because in the middle of the fight where he's hooked up, he's not like being dragged by his head, but like part of his clothing gets snagged on the red robot. Uh, and in the middle of this fight, he wonders, where's Mamimi? Oh, yeah. So like, he, he he's very concerned for her.
2: It was an interesting you know? image, like he's literally like a passenger, (laughs) you know, he's just stuck on this thing.
0: Right. And this is the thing that was symbolizing his erection before (laughs) the protrusion from his head. So sometimes you do feel like you're just along for the ride. You're like, I I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm very excited. Uh, So the, the red robot, we, we, I don't know, seems kind of strange, but I, we assume it's on, it's not against Nauta. Like we don't know that it's, quote, on his side. We don't know what sides are, but uh, it it fights the other robot. It fights the big hand thing. Uh, we assume saving the bridge, saving the two of them. Yeah. Uh, but then Haruko shows up and I assume she's going to hit Nauta in the head again, but instead she actually aims for the robot. And when she hits it, instead of it causing some uh, uh, big head protuberance again, it changes color to teal, which I guess is its normal color for the rest of the show?
1: You see kind of like the flecks of paint uh, fly off of it or whatever. Um, And, uh, you know, since I just kind of like binge watched it, um, I'd actually written a note in a later episode where I'm like, what's this red stuff that the robot is picking up? Um, And I think kind of in the background of scenes later in the show, we'll, we'll see the robot kind of picking up these like little pieces that she knocked off of it. Um, so I don't know if that's kind of symbolism or if this is more like a lore thing, like she's knocked off some power that it needs to recover or something like that. Okay. That's so awesome.
2: So speaking of symbols is when it, the red robot powers up a weird symbol uh, comes in on its face.
1: Yeah. So I was looking up for kind of like fan theories about it and stuff and people have observed that. So kind of the bottom part of it, um, it looks a little bit like the symbol for kind of person. The top part is a little bit the upside down of big. Um, And if you put this kanji next to each other, the grown up is like big person basically. And so some people say that it's kind of like using those symbols and then they added like an extra circle or something like that, you know, maybe just to make it a little bit less obvious, Hmm. but that then this robot or maybe when, when the robot gets that symbol, it's, something to do with like him being a man or him being an adult or something like that. Mm. You could imagine that the hand is like some urge to just like grope her or something like that. And that then there's this kind of like urge to like be an adult or like be a good person or something like that. And like those things are fighting each other.
0: Mm -hmm. So, so the, so the robot, and maybe this will continue to be the case is like uh uh, an image of, or an idea of healthy masculinity, of healthy adulthood.
1: Yeah, and, and the inter- it's weird that the robot doesn't always have that symbol. So that's kind of, um, it's almost like that's when it goes super sane or something like that. Like, it's kind mm-hmm. of like when it powers up, it, it gets that symbol. Oh, um, does it get the symbol again? Yeah, I think we'll we'll see it a few times. <sighs> okay, cool. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah I'm... I'm gonna pour over the design of this robot at some point because it it looks like mashed together things. Like, uh, and then I didn't notice this. I'm so glad you said something about the paint chips because she Haruko hits it in the head and like she takes a chunk out of the back of its head. Hmm. And so when we see it in the next scene, uh, uh, working in the bakery, it has uh, something else. It's like a bowling pin or something sticking out of it. <laughs> yeah, there's something in the back of its head. And I was wondering, I was trying to figure out if that was there before and she just revealed it, or if uh, that was something that like an ad hoc solution. They're like, oh, well, this is just open now. We need <laughs> to put something on it.
1: Near the end of that battle, uh, when Haruko shows up and kind of does that leaping guitar swing um, at the robot, Um, there's this line where Nauta says he regrets having the thought just for a second that she looked like my brother. Um, and so, you know, obviously the brother was a baseball player and she's like taking a swing at this thing. Um, but it's just a weird, it's a weird line to be in there. I don't know. And I don't know exactly what that means.
2: I feel like he's having this thought like is... Um, Haruko going to be my guide into adolescence. And what a unnerving
0: uh, um,
2: situation that might cause be. Cause they're about
0: the same age too, right? The brother and Haruko.
2: Yeah. Hmm. So the, the
0: good guy robot, the red now teal robot wins the day. Haruko hits it in the back of the head. Uh, and now it wears a jacket and works at the uh, bread shop. Uh, pretty awesome. If I was a robot, I, I would like to think I would still take time for a menial job, you know, to make humans, uh, their lives a little easier. Uh, and then Nauta has this little uh, uh, monologue about like these closing thoughts about how nothing special ever happens, <laughs> that everything's <is> ordinary. <laughs> and so we're not as like uh, an audience, we're not where we were at the start. We know that things are happening, but he still seems to be stuck in this rut.
2: So well, I, I, I've got a kind of like more general question about the, the series in general, like as a whole. So I, I don't know how you would characterize this anime, like psychedelic or abstract avant-garde, but um, there's a lot of like style switching that happens. And I'm wondering, you know, just based on Evangelion, the way that works, everything is so intentional. Like we're, we're getting the story through the eyes of a 12 year old who is insecure in many different ways and, coming of age and like it seems like we're seeing a lot of things through like a children's like looney tunes lens or through comic book Mm. lenses and then hyper real but disturbing in some ways or exaggerated um so i i don't have an answer i don't have my own thoughts even on this question but like uh like like how much of what we're seeing is like Symbolic and metaphor metaphorical like um, like obviously the hospital isn't jumping up and down and twisting, right? Yeah, like this is just an expression of the chaos um, So what's going on? What's going on here?
1: yeah it's definitely. It's yeah, I don't know what the term would be like surreal or that that the animation is kind of like um, You're it's a visualized like metaphor for something right like especially that uh, the hospital twisting does really uh-huh. Stand out and and even in, like, you know, that hospital is kind of done in a different style to you know there's kind of like a core style for a lot of this show but then we see it jump into these these other styles including even you know like the uh, the theme song right it jumps from animation to uh to this kind of photography which you you said that he directed the last two episodes of Evangelion and that was something that we saw in those episodes right was it um kind of mixing real photographs into animation Um, so it seems like it's definitely something that he's interested in maybe he's playing around with stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how much is aesthetic or kind of with specific meaning to that scene or something like that
2: So there's sections of uh, End of Evangelion that go to live footage as well and based on what I read from Anime News Network, Tsurumaki was also uh, responsible for those portions of End of Evangelion
0: Well, maybe he just likes disorienting an audience, or maybe he's trying to do some like art magic and he's trying to like break down the barriers between what's real and what's animated, right? And like at the end, we get those uh, live action stop motion photographs of the Vespa going around town, right? But that's still animation, right? It's stop motion animation. Uh, it's, yeah. it's one step or a few steps closer to live action, but it's not the same as live action. Uh, uh, it's, it's somewhere in between it's breaking down that barrier.
2: Anything else? Any final thoughts? I'm looking forward to finally finishing this series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do need to sign off. Uh,
1: pen. Pen. Pals.
0: Hootie,
1: hootie. <laughs> George, So what do we do? I want to Why don't shoot out?